the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader around to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles. I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. We're at number 119. The same the number of league games played by Scott Sellers or Adam Bogdan at the Wanderers. Now, name me one more podcast that had dropped that bomb that early. Coming up on this week's show, another late goal clips the Owls' wings. We look back at a dramatic game of the Uniball. Wayne Rooney could be on his way, but do we have to worry about the bigger budgets in League One next season? We give you a little glimpse of the great big Bolton Wanderers fan survey in the Bolton News. What we found out might just surprise you. But first, well, last week we played a clip of Dave, Dave Higson commentating rather on a Bolton Wanderers game. And we asked you to name the opponent. Not quite as easy uh, last week, was it, as the first one? Uh, we got two correct answers. There were about five wrong ones, but we got two correct answers. So Darren Grimes and Gary Stanley, I salute you. It was Burnley. And there's a buff mug uh, coming your way in the post. But we've got two more buff mugs to give away this week. And I guarantee I'm going to get more correct answers this time around. Listen to this clip. And I want to know, remember, who are Bolton Wanderers playing against? He's got through here for Nolan. And Kevin Nolan in with a chest. And it spins away. And Bolton have got the equaliser. And Kevin Davis has brought Bolton level and stunned the... Name of stadium here. With his first ever goal in Europe. Man, he's beaten. Goal, Kevin Davis. Goal, Bolton Wanderers. 2-2. Well, a quick... So, who were Bolton playing that night? Send your name, your address and your contact number. All of those three things have got to be on your email, or else it doesn't count, to thebuffmail at gmail.com by Thursday. And, well, you might just win a buff mug. Let's, let's be honest, that's what we're in it for. Now on with the show and it's time to introduce a man who's out of contract this summer and who still hasn't heard anything yet from the buff and whether he's going to get a new deal. It's Henry, soon to be a Bosman. Hewitt, how are you doing? (laughs) I'm good, but after reading some of the questions in that survey you put out, I was a bit like, oh, maybe that contract might not come. Maybe that's why it's gone out. (laughs) What do you think of Henry? (laughs) Well, I very nearly did. Hands up. Hands up who wants us to change. Um, I'll be revealing a little bit more about that later on, but I think you're safe, mate. I think you're safe. I think they like us. That's uh, that's the good thing. That's the good thing. Oh, that's good. Um, (laughs) Right, okay. Hands up. Who went to an exclusive Bolton Wanderers party this week. Oh, is, uh, you're not, your hands not up because mine are. Mine are. No. Yes, I, uh, I. I got I got stuck going to Lay Miz with the uh, the mother-in-law last night. So uh, when you text me saying I'm at a Bolton Wanderers party, I was like, not jealous at all. <laughs> yes, it was great, absolutely fantastic. It was for Simon Marlon's retirement. And so a, a group of his uh, footballing friends, of which he has many, um, organised a bit of a do for him on uh, at, uh, what's it called, Namploy Thai Restaurant on Middlebrook. And the food mm. is amazing. Um, if you haven't been there and you do like Thai food, that really is a, a fantastic place to go. I think they, they put on the food for him uh, for free, but there were loads of people there. Big Sam was there, holding court, uh, absolutely fantastic. Phil Brown was there. 
Uh, Stelios was there. Nicky Hunt was there. Oh, there were legends everywhere you looked. Um, uh, John Byron was there. Was going back way ages. People like Jeff Chandler. Um, oh, Gareth Farrelly. Oh, I'm trying to trying to list them all off here. Um, yeah, Liam Richardson was there. In fact, uh, uh, yeah, there was there was loads. But actually, the best bit was, and this is kind of where the kind of the Bolton Wanderers family come in and all this kind of thing. It's the people behind the scenes. It's the backroom staff. Um, you know, the the physios and the masseurs and the the you know the the, the osteopaths and all the other people the, the the kit men and it was great to see those guys because uh, mm. you know they go on to to different jobs and, and move on but it was really great to hear some of the stories some of the stories not going to we even had Gordon Sharrocky Gordon Sharrock came back as well um, I mean I've heard all his stories many many times but um, he did tell uh, several really really good ones um, but it was a great night because you, you should have been there Henry. Yeah, um, yeah. My, I mean, I've never met Simon, but uh, my invite was was stuck in the post. I feel. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was fantastic, fantastic. But enough of my bragging about uh, my <laughs> my amazing social circles. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Sheffield Wednesday. Let's talk about Sheffield Wednesday because uh, we both will have a view on that one. Um, another late goal. Another late goal. I, I, I'm starting to think I should not bother starting my match report until about sort of 70, 80 minutes nowadays because it just seems pointless. 23 goals scored in the last 15 minutes this season. Um, obviously a good trait. Yeah, it's what good sides are made on. And if we can continue that into next year with hopefully um, an improved squad, it could really do us some benefit. But... Uh, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The um, the amount of late goals, and I know the manager said previously the reason why is that we, you know, and I know especially where sometimes I sit in the stadium, you've got people who are, uh, uh, let's say, a bit upset that we're not hoofing <laughs> the ball up yeah. uh, and we're passing it around. But you know, the proof's in the pudding. It's uh, it clearly, t- even though it might not it look it towards in this in the crowd, it's clearly uh, tiring the opposition out. Well, it's funny you should say that because on Saturday evening, I went to pick up some food from a local takeaway here in Lee, uh, some Japanese food for me and my son. And it was going to be about 20 minutes. So what do you do when you wait for a takeaway? You go for a drink. Of course you do. So next door was a little pub, walked in, got myself a pint, sat down, started scrolling through my phone over my right hand shoulder. I hear this, what's army, what's army, what's army? I turned around and there was several lads all, all looking at me. So I went over and had a chat. Number one topic of debate was why don't they throw the ball forward more? And clearly, it, it you know, we, we all kind of take pride from the way that the, the football's been played this season. And I think it's great to watch. But clearly, mm. it isn't universally popular uh, with, with everybody. Um have have they struggled a bit? Is, uh, I think there were times against Sheffield Wednesday where they were a little bit lateral, they were a little bit cumbersome, it wasn't quite flowing as much as it has done. Is that just because they've had to change things? Maybe. I, I do think the last... Well, you could include the Wigan game as well, so the last three games, there's been patches where we've been giving the ball away. I thought the first half on Saturday, they were quite poor, to be honest, in my opinion. I thought they were giving the ball away it's a different type of game than what it's going to be on Friday or next Monday where uh, they've got the majority of the ball and they're actually pushing us. Whereas 
sometimes in this league you're playing teams who are just sitting back. Mm. But I think um, I, I didn't, I, I weren't, I thought actually in the first half on Saturday, we were hoofing the ball up to Charles and there were no outlet because he weren't, the, the defenders, uh, the two centre halves who were, who looked a, a uh, you know, they obviously not, but they looked about a foot and a half taller than Dion Charles. Um, I'd, I'd control the game. So I think it wasn't until the, the second half when we were maybe passing the ball around a little bit that we were getting a few more chances. But, um, but I, can, I can understand the frustration. But to me, take out of it the fact that he's Bolton Wanderers and just we're watching football. I'm with you. I, I would much... I think about the Phil Parkinson days, that championship year when we got relegated, mm. where we'd go 1-0 down in the first half and then Beavers would hoof it up to you know five foot four LaFondra all game. And then they'd just pick us off and get a second. It, I would much rather watch us play like this and get a one-one draw than play like that. And it just we don't have any chances at all. Yeah, it's 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 kind of which one comes first, isn't it? Do do you play this sort of football so you can get the late chances, or do you change the way? Do you go higher tempo early on? Do you burn yourself out that little bit more and maybe then leave the back door open to concede the goals later on, which has has obviously been the case for Bolton in in, in the past. Uh, uh, Dion, I, do you know what? I always call him Darius Charles. Why do I do that? I used to play for Reading. Darius? Yeah, honestly. Honestly, I must have typed that a million times. Right, Dion Charles. Dion Charles, 11 games now uh, for club and country since he scored a goal. We do stick up for him on this podcast, but I think you probably touched on it a little bit there as to he had a really fruitless game again against Sheffield Wednesday. A lot of chasing, mm. never lets you down on, you know, kind of closing defenders down and, and, and starting that press from the front. But it's the old adage, isn't it? When we talked about uh, Owen Doyle back in the day, where do you want him in that penalty box scoring goals or do you want him pressing down near the corner flag and closing closing players down? It's a bit of a, uh, a bit of a mystery. Yeah, it is. And I was so I gutted for him that the, um, the goal he scored was offside. I mean, I... The way I, the where I was sat in the stadium, I couldn't tell whether it was on or off. But there were no yeah. complaints, so it must have been off. But I was gutted for him that because that was a great finish, and I mean, hopefully that'll give him a bit of confidence. But um, yeah, it's just not not quite clicking for him at the moment. I think it's a result of if you remember when we played uh, Gillingham away, and then we played mm-hmm. Lincoln at home, and he missed similar chances. It's kind of come from that. But um, I think with Dion Charles. The, the type of games we've got left now are, are the type of games where if I was Ian Ever, I would play him every single minute and just try and get him a goal, just something yeah. before the end of the season. But I've got no doubt that coming in next year uh, with a few months off, he'd probably play for Northern Ireland um, in one or two games. But other than that, it'd be a few months off and then he can come back revitalised next year. But uh, I think overall, since January, I've been impressed with him. I think it is an improvement on Owen Doyle. Um, and I think, you know, the club will clearly know about it. So it'd be in Ian Everett's head to try and get him more chances because he's proven if he hasn't, he will score. Yeah, I think the one worry I would have is that he's just not getting the, the touches of the ball. I, mean, I think the no. last two games at 11 and 18, something like that, he's, he's doing so much off the ball that actually he's not getting there. And and maybe it's played on his mind. I think there was a, there was a moment in the first half where he went through 
had the option of playing, um, uh, it might have been Bud Farson to his right hand side, went himself, got the shot blocked, yeah. and I think Declan John followed up and, and kind of slid the ball wide. But you can see it's 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 affecting him. It does any striker when you're on one of these runs where you think, right, I've, I've got to make this happen myself, rather than relax into it and, and take the chances when they come, you're kind of trying to force it a little bit. Um, so I'm with you. I think you, you do kind of you give him as much time now to, to rectify that. But if he isn't scoring goals, and we kind of look around the other attacking options, Bakayoko's done quite well this season, albeit as a, an impact substitute. Bodvarsson, I think he looks like a class player, but is he a, a, a regular goal scorer? Maybe the question mark. Um, you know, Dapo maybe hasn't scored as many since he moved into the middle. You look at the options. Would you pursue another striker? Can you have enough? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I think for us fans, you can never have enough. But whether that would work with uh, personalities and and you know, as we know, strikers have egos, so they don't want to be sat on the bench. Mm. Bakayoko has said that already this season. But um, yeah, that's a that's a good question. I, personally, I would be happy if if we went into next season with the strike force that we do. I would be happy with that. I think that's an area where we're quite strong in um, and then assess it in January. But um, I think, again, when you're looking at the bigger picture, and I know we'll do a more rounded sort of season review in a few weeks, but if you'd have said to me, well, you've got uh, Afalayan pass, you know, has got 12 goals. Mm. Bakayoko is touching 12 goals. Charles has scored six since January. Bavarsen's scored four or five since. I think um, I'd have been quite pleased with that and I think especially going off previous seasons where where we have struggled to get anyone to 12 or anyone near it mm. so um, so yeah a bigger picture probably says no but as a fan ask me again in July when we've uh, we've only signed four or five players because our squad's more more fitted now, then I'll be like, yeah, definitely get us, get us another striker. <laughs> I suppose we should throw Kachunga into that mix as well. I, I think yeah. he, he has got that, that ability to play that role as well. And also, young Finley Lockett making uh, good strides as well for the reserves this week. Good to see him back. And it will be even better to see him getting regular games for the B team next season as well. Okay, mm. right. Let's have a couple of headlines. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, well, the first one, and uh, this we, we spoke a few weeks ago about whether Howard Bolton's end to the season look uh, with. I mean, if we don't win on the playoff picture, could be out of sight come uh, five o'clock on Friday. Yeah. But Ian Everett has said, "Don't think we're on the beach yet. Your contract won't protect you if you're not performing. Then you'll be you'll be off." Uh, is this? Is this a challenge to the players to uh, for him to finish on a high? Do you think some might get a bit nervous? How do you think they react? Well, it's an interesting one that whether or not there is any um, effect on the players from what he's said there. But he, he doesn't waste words. He doesn't say things for the sake of saying them. I don't think, and there probably are two or three players in there that are under contract that he feels, you know, maybe maybe he is kind of planning a little bit of a mini clear out. I mean, you. You wonder about the future of people like Joel Dixon, for example. Can you see him coming back in and playing first-team football um, for Bolton? He's under contract. There's no problem with that. Um, now, obviously, he's not going to get a chance to play 
so I, I do wonder. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't seriously expect, let's say, a, a, let, for example, MJ Williams, if he were to have four stinkers now, you're not telling me that Ian Abbott would turn around and sell him in the summer on the basis of that. Of course you wouldn't. But based on the whole season and based on what he feels he can bring in in the summer, he is going to have to make some ruthless decisions because he has to level up and... It, you know, everybody when we came into this season was looking at the promotion team and saying, "Oh well, it's it's great to keep people together, and you know we need to use that spirit and all that sort of stuff." Well, actually, that kind of backfired a little bit, didn't it? Because they just didn't strengthen enough to cope in that first half of the season. So now he's got, he's in that situation again, where his Bolton have played really well since January, and you'd be inclined to say, "Okay, well, let's see what they can do now for the first half of next season." But actually, it's the old thing about striking whilst the iron's hot. The, the yeah, and I think, now. yeah, and I think you're, uh, I think you're right there about last season that maybe the um, they were a bit too sentimental, and that proved at the start of the season. Uh, and you know, we've got to remember that football ventures—they're not afraid of making a big decision. Mm. Um, you know, if you look at the the probably our three big players from last year being Sarsavic, Doyle, and Santos, well, two of them have gone now. Yeah, so uh, they're not afraid of that, and. Yeah, there maybe are a few. There's, you know, you do look at the likes of Santos and Dapo, and um, you know, one or two others who are playing out of a skin. Like Dion Charles isn't going to be going. You know, there's a few players that probably could have stinkers in the next four games and still be here next year. But I would say the majority of the squad, you know, if there's a if, with if there's a better option, you're going to have to go with them because this squad is a mid-table League One squad. Mm. Um, okay, you could argue since January that they're probably a playoff League One squad with how we've uh, improved. But still, this this football ventures in Ian Everett don't want to be a, just a playoff squad. They want to be top of the league. So, yeah, there probably is quite a few players that are looking a bit nervously uh, over the shoulders. Yeah, I think there's a couple of players that are out of contract and that are quite obvious decisions for Bolton to make. Um, maybe, maybe a couple of the younger ones, you you fifty fifty. It depends on where they see them in the kind of the B team setup. But I think with the senior ones, it's quite straightforward and cut and dry what's going to happen in the summer. Um, but yeah, it's just those ones with maybe just a year left on the contract. Do you see them progressing? Do you see them being part of a an automatic promotion chase? Then yeah, I think there are some some big decisions to make. But uh, right, let's have another headline. Uh, yeah, and uh, Ian Everett has also said that um, looking at the teams that are coming down mm. from the championship, uh, we thought it was going to be we thought it was a big league this year with the teams involved in it. Well, uh, with the top three being Wigan, MK Dons, and Rotherham, that means that most of the big teams are going to stick around in League One and be joined by Derby plus Peterborough and Barnsley that have got um, championship money behind them. It's going to be difficult next year, isn't it? Lovely backhanded compliment there for Wigan. Um, yes, uh, I, I totally agree. I, and and he makes a very good point here. I think he's made it already this season that even in, in this year, when you look at the top half of the table, of which Bolton are bottom of that top half of the table, that's where the money is pretty much. And then you look at the bottom half of the table and I don't think there's anybody down there that we... If you were to separate on budget, for example, I don't think there'd be anybody there that's, that's out of that... Um, uh, that sort of zone. Um, in fact, Joe, I'm going to bring the table up. This is live reporting here. Mm. 
just in case I think, uh, Charlton's possibly the one that would yeah, be. Yeah, I was looking at Charlton. Funnily enough, I've I've got Sky Sports News on mute and I paused it when it came the League One table came up, so I've got it as well. <laughs> well, there we go. That's that's what you call research. That's why I didn't do it. I'd, I'd say that Lincoln, as a club, have progressed more than they should. I mean, they've had a really poor season. I don't know what's happened with Lincoln. Um, but yeah. uh, I would say that the, of those, the, the budgets, it's very easy. I mean, Cheltenham are overperforming. Um, you would say the rest of them in, in that top half are pretty much uh, pretty much as you would expect. But then if you bring in, we know what Peterborough do. Um, you know better than anybody what Peterborough do because uh, you work with Darren McCantney. But uh, they're going to they're gonna come down. They're going to do what they always do. And that's they're going to invest in two or three up-and-coming players. They've got a lovely squad already they'll probably sell a couple of players as well that's the churn that happens at Peterborough um Derby I suppose is a bit of a question mark if they come down uh, as to, to what kind of hangover they're going to have or even penalties potentially next season what what kind of penalties there'll be for them but they're not going to be spending you know shirt buttons on players we know that for certain um Barnsley They've got money behind them. There's no question about that. A little bit like Rotherham, potentially, they're going to have that kind of experience of this level and they've, they've you know, a little bit more behind them. Um, and then there's Reading as well that could come down and, and you would expect Reading again to, to have something behind them. So next season, you're going to add three into that top half. It's just going to be as hard. It's going to be as hard, if not harder. And anybody, if you're, if you're, on the, if you're below Bolton in that table... Uh, barring Charlton potentially, I mean, how the hell do you get past it? It's it's very very difficult mm. indeed. Yeah, uh, it is, and uh, you know, just looking at the the sides that came up with us, I know Charlton and Cambridge are the two sides directly below us, but we still uh, what seven points above them. Uh, Markham are, are, are you know trying to stay up as well, so uh, it just shows that even the teams that came up with us, we we are a, ahead of them. Um, I think the budgets, I've, and I've said this before, the amazing thing about League One, it really is the league of haves and have-nots because you look at some of the teams, like you look at Sunderland, for example, who, you know, taking out everything else, they're getting 30,000 worth of gate receipts every week. Compare that to Accrington Stanley when we, we turn up and we've got more fans than them at their own ground. It really is, the, the difference there is amazing. And, um and yeah, it's just going to continue with with the likes of, as you said, Derby coming down as well, because they'll fit in nicely with the Sheffield Wednesdays and Boltons and Ipswiches of this world. So um, yeah, it's going to it is going to be tough, and I think it's it's. I, I believe we can do it. I believe that we are improving, and we will finish above eleventh next season. But I don't think we're going to finish first because I think the difference in. Uh, you know, in the other teams around us, it might, it, it, we're, we're much of the same. So mm. it's going to have to be a massive effort to finish first. There's, if you, if you think about it kind of logically with about the way that the, the budgets are planned for clubs, Football Ventures obviously took over a club that was on its way out of that division. I don't think there was any change in that really. But they will have, you know, budgeted for X and then went into League uh, 2 budgeting for X and obviously they had um, pandemic issues and all that to, to cope with as well coming back up so that gives you a kind of a almost like a semi-excuse as far as why there wasn't quite as much investment in the squad at the start of last season you can understand that they were they were a little bit kind of well do we know that the fans are coming back and all that kind of thing by January it was clear it was happening so they could push forward extra money was made available brought in good players 
But in the meantime, in that kind of 12, 18 month period, the economy of League One has also changed. So they're now, for me, looking towards almost like the championship budget they would have originally planned had Bolton got up this season. They're going to need to supply that for Bolton to be able to get into the championship, let alone be in the championship. You know, they're, mm. going to, they're going to have to push the boat out a little bit. Now, that will challenge the whole ethos of being sustainable and all that kind of thing that they want to do because they're not going to find twice as many fans. I know there's been great season ticket sales, but, you know, the, it's not going to be that much more than this season. So there's always a gamble. There's always a gamble in football. You know, you can't... It's impossible just to sort of mill along... Um, with a mid-table budget and expect success, it's that's a rarity. It's a real rarity. And I think maybe this last few months has been an eye-opener for Ian Ever and for Football Ventures. Yeah, well, we need more Swiss investors parking the helicopters on the training ground, don't we? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, if uh, Mr. Mr. Zurich would like to get in touch, I can... Uh, <laughs> I can recommend a patch of grass to land your helicopter on. It's fine. Uh, let's have another headline. Uh, yeah, well, Gavin Jones has said this week that uh, he's more than happy for Marlon Fossey to be back at Bolton. He's joined the queue, because yeah. I'm sure all every fan and yourself uh, want the same thing. Um, I thought Gavin, in his new role, playing more centrally with Marlon Fossey, I thought, I thought he worked really well. So, if, again, we're talking about squads for next year. If that was how we started the season, uh, next season, then I'm more than happy with that. Yeah, we spoke the other week, didn't we, about whether or not there'd be a, a slight gamble, potentially, on on Fossey and his injury record. Um, much like Declan John, potentially, when we uh, decided to sign him last summer on a permanent basis. But, I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer. If he's available and Bolton can afford him, it sounds very much, from all the sounds uh, coming from Fossey's camp, Fossey's social media, that he's clearly enjoyed his time at Bolton and he you know he quite fancies coming back players players not daft uh, they they know what they're doing when they're putting out little video vignettes and such like of uh, of the the horizon over the uniball and all that sort mm. of stuff so you know it's looking good on that front um but having Gethin and uh, Fossey um in that on that right hand side I think that's a good start I think you'd be well happy to see that start the season wouldn't you yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, right, the next headline, you've been crunching the numbers on why Bolton are always seen to be playing catch-up during games, which is funny. We look at our last three games, we've drawn them all 1-1 and we've had to come from behind in each game. <laughs> it's absolutely bizarre, uh, some of the trends that we've picked up. Um, yeah, the average the average minute of uh, an opposition opening goal is 27 um, which is is pretty down on on the league average, which is just over thirty one. So they concede early goals. That's, I mean, they've conceded eleven times in the first fifteen minutes. So only Cambridge have actually done more than that. So there's clearly, if there's a if there's a a time zone where it needs to improve, it is that first fifteen minutes. And I can't quite put my finger on exactly why that's the case, what they're doing wrong, whether or not it takes them longer to wake up and there's more individual errors there. I think that's probably the case because when you look at the XG, i.e. kind of measuring the, 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 the quality of the opposition chances, it doesn't really increase that much early on. They pretty much, it's pretty level all the way through the game. Bolton will give you as good a chance in the first minute as they do in the 90th minute. But... 
the evidence is there that they conceded a lot more goals in that first 15 minutes. So it's clearly an individual error thing. Um, whereas we know for a fact they score a lot of late goals. Um, and, and, and weirdly enough, their XG doesn't increase that much at the end of a game, a little bit, but it actually increases a lot more. They do virtually nothing in the first 15 minutes as far as create decent chances. And then it kind of pumps up either side of half time and then a little bit more towards the end. But the big increase is between that first 15 minutes. So clearly, both going forward and defensively, that that little time period is so, somewhere they can improve. So when you're watching as a supporter from the stands, where do you see that improvement actually taking shape? Um, it's difficult, really, because I, I do feel that for the majority of games... You know, we mentioned it before about do you start really fast? I can't think of many games where we've started really fast. You know, like um, the the opposition do tend to have a bit more of the ball. And now I may be wrong. My uneducated eye may be wrong with that. I'm sure if Ian Everett was listening, he could probably uh, pinpoint a few games where that's not been the case. But to me, that does seem the case. So I don't know whether we're easing into the game, whether we're trying to get a, a feel of the ball and. Um, that's where you're prone to a few mistakes. I think the the situation on um, defending corners is, and and set pieces has mm. been a bit disappointing, especially at the start of the season. So um, maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not sure, but um, it's just a, I mean, sometimes you can't help conceding goals in the first part of matches. But I'm sure if you looked at all them eleven goals we've conceded in the first fifteen twenty minutes, whatever it was. Um, you could probably look and think like I think back to the Wigan one away, like it can be avoided. Mm. So um, yeah, it's uh, as a fan, it's definitely disappointing when you turn up to a match and you go one nil behind in the first twenty minutes. Because even though it, in your head you think, well, we've we have come back and not lost matches when we've done that, you still it still deflates you a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's the important thing to say. They they are coming back to regain points. They've they've recovered more points than anybody else in the division, which is a really good trait to have. It's not a dig. It's more a case if you're looking at finer margins to try and you know improve the whole result set next season. And I think that kind of first, if you break it into thirty minutes, you're actually twice as likely to see Bolton concede in the first thirty minutes than you are in the next thirty minutes. Um, over the course of the season, these are all averages. Of course, there are obvious examples where it's happened. Um, at home, it's a it's quite a rarity to see Bolton swamped early on. To be honest, it, I think I can think of a couple of games where it's it's been, you know, like Wigan for example, or um, I think Rotherham when they came to the Uni Bowl were mm. very good early on. Shrewsbury absolutely tore into Gillingham was another one tore into um, into Bolton early on, but very rarely they normally ease themselves into the game with that possession football. And maybe that does account for the fact that they, you know, they're not trying to bomb forward. They're not trying to do anything. They're trying to just keep get the rhythm going, and it kind of builds to a crescendo. Um, you know, obviously towards the end of a game when they're scoring more goals. But it's interesting because you're always looking for ways you can improve, and, and maybe, you know, there is something they can do to to just make it that little bit themselves that a little bit more threatening early on. Um, and finally, it was the, the great big Bolton Wanderers fan survey this week. So go on, Mark, tell us <laughs> what has been, what are, what are the fans saying? Because you asked a few questions, you know, a variety of questions based on um, what you think of the team on the pitch, what do you think of what happens 
in the stadium, the match day experience. There were a few buff questions thrown in as well. Mm. Some fantastic. First of all, I'd say thank you very much for everybody that, that filled in the, the survey because I was I, I wasn't really sure as to how many I would get, um, and we got thousands. Thousands of people have managed to uh, to fill in the responses. I'm really really amazed. I had to close it a bit earlier than I thought I was going to have to do because I I could see the uh, email addresses and the the where these things were originating from, and it was quite clear right towards the end that a lot of Wigan fans were jumping on and trying to spoil the uh, the thing. So I closed it up and, and eliminated their uh, their feedback. Um, so, yes, I, uh, I, I stopped it a little bit earlier, and that's apologies for that, but that's the reason why. Um, I've got some fantastic feedback as far as I asked the question at the end about what you've particularly enjoyed or disliked this season. Now, that's going to really help. I think I'm going to try and uh, maybe put that before Neil Hart or before, um, you know, somebody at the club just to uh, to see some of the feedback there because there are some important issues on fan behaviour, particularly away from home. Um, you know, the fan experience at home as well that uh, people are... Uh, either disappointed in or, or um, they want to know more about what's going to happen but the general consensus is that there's a really good connection with the club at the moment um, that a lot of fans feel as, as connected now as they ever have mm. done which is really uh, really good um, I, I will I, mean, I don't want to spoil my story for next week so I won't go to chapter and verse on it um, but if I bring up that particular question, I did ask, how does your personal connection to the club compare with recent years? Um, as in the terms of a percentage, 69% of people said it was stronger than ever, um, mm. which is very, very positive. Um, and, and 26 said same as before. So we're talking about what four, five, about 5% 5 have said it's either weaker or weaker than ever a handful and, and and you always you know with any statistical analysis you take out the outliers because there's a, a lot of people that just you know go around ticking tens and ones just for the sake of it so really the the vast majority um are, are feeling quite good about the club at the moment and that is that's a good thing that's a great thing um particularly you know with Bolton in in, in mid-table in league one I mean does that surprise you at all no, I don't think it does. I mean, I filled it in and that's, I put stronger than ever uh, because I genuinely feel that way. And it, and it might come off the back of what happened a few years ago. You know, that we're not waking up every morning and worrying about what's going to happen. Or, or, you know, I've said before, I, I, I have you on um, Twitter notifications. So every time you tweet, it, it comes up on my phone. And at one point, I'd see your name and I'd dread to think what was coming up. But now I just do that based on messages I get about the book. But um, uh, but no, it's um, I honestly think that I feel that way, and I, it, it results on the pitch help. And I I do feel that that is uh, even though we are mid table in League One, we've still had some good moments this year. We've not had to worry really about relegation, so that helps. But I do feel that the the club are getting it right at the moment, and you can just sense that. And I think. The biggest thing is the season tickets. The fact that we've sold twelve thousand already, um, if it, and we're not even finished the the previous season yet. So that shows that people are buying into what we're doing. Absolutely. Now talking about the buff questions, we'll let you know. We'll let you know here that exactly fifty percent of the people who did click through. So I, I basically said, do you listen to the buff podcast? Fifty percent of people have never listened to the buff podcast. So. 
they can go and chew rocks as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm talking... I'm talking to the 50% of people who, who do listen to the podcast, whether that be all the time, sometimes, or rarely. Okay, so uh, first of all, thank you very much, guys. Um, so just to just to go through a couple of bits of that, um, what they like most are player interviews. Um, so we are going to endeavour to try and do a bit more of that over the summer and, and see what we can do with that one. It's not... It's it's not ever going to be a podcast which is led by player interviews. I think it's fair to say because uh, Henry uh, Henry and myself um, would do this in our spare time. Basically, don't we? We do this for free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's not easy. <laughs> this isn't under the cosh. We can't go and uh, we can't go and go and give five hundred quid to a person to sit down and, and start swearing. I'm afraid that's not that's not possible. <laughs> um, but they say uh, they they especially like uh, nostalgia. Uh, they especially like this nostalgia. They especially like the uh, match analysis, which I think we've uh, we've done pretty well, Henry. And do you know what? They're not as enamoured about the quizzes and games as I probably expected. I will say that. Ooh. I will say that. So maybe, maybe that will shape things to come. Maybe we change things a little bit in the future. Who knows? Who knows? But one, the only one that really came in for any great grief was Lloyd Quizgrove would you believe oh not Lloyd Quizgrove Lloyd Quizgrove yeah so uh, there we go it's uh, this sort of feedback's absolutely invaluable absolutely invaluable but people love headlines and we're in headlines now so there we go this is your oh. this is your favorite bit people will be switching off after we uh, move on to the next bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, no but that is it's hey we're here to uh, to cater to the the audience and if there's any but like with Danny Shitter, a few people were saying they were getting a bit bored of it and we we knocked that on the head for a little bit so uh you know we're not we any any criticism uh or not criticism any feedback is good feedback yeah I think any criticism as long as it's constructive is always good uh is good feedback but uh yes well look I I love it. I, I've, I've loved reading through all the comments and uh, it's, it's going to make a really good story that but um let's move on and this is my favourite bit of the week, and this is correspondence. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. Um, yeah, so every week we get emails in from you guys who do listen, the 50% of the massive. Um, and last week we were talking about players who were underrated in their time. And we've had a few emails on that one. Um, but John Wesley sent the best one because, um, I mean, there was no preamble to it. It was no kind of like, dear Mark and Henry, I love the podcast. Just like bish, bash, bosh type of stuff. Um, he's basically sent us uh, an underrated 11, his team of underrated players. So... Uh. All right, get your ear, get your earlobes round this one. Um, in goal, we have Jim McDonough. He says, "Massive presence in my first Bolton team, and good for a goal too." Um, Jim, may, famously, yeah, yeah, famously. Um, Jim may well be one of the players who does come on and uh, talk to us on the podcast. By the way, because we've got him lined up. Um, and here's another one. Would you believe? Uh, right back, Peter Nicholson. Never gets the praise he deserves, but picked out by Jimmy Anfield as his own successor, so that's good enough for me. He says, Nico's a great lad. Um, we're definitely looking forward to speaking with him. Um, Centre-half, Paul Jones, um, probably rated by Bolton supporters, but not by England, and that's why he makes my list. 
Surely you remember him, Henry. He's, he's the best... Well, you won't remember him, obviously, but uh, <laughs> famously, he's the best uh, defender that never played for England. Yeah, uh, he was with Big Sam, wasn't he? The yeah. partnership, is that right? Yeah, He is, he was. I thought he would be there last night, actually, but he wasn't. Um, another centre-half, who you will remember, Chris Fairclough, quiet man of the 96-97. He said, so much clash and scored... So much class, rather, and uh, scored crucial goals. Fairclough. Mm, he did, yeah, he... Uh... Yeah, he did get a few, and and as well, he uh, to say that for most people, Gudni Bergson is is one of our best centre halves of the last thirty years. He forced Bergson to play right back. Yeah, uh, I mean, he won a title, didn't he? At Leeds, he was a quality player. Yeah, yeah. I think Taggart probably gets more headlines than he does because he potentially scored some more, you know, famous goals as a, as a centre half. But uh, no, I like Fairclough. Yeah. Uh, left back Simon Charlton. I don't think that's any surprise to anybody. Yeah. Anybody, anybody that says the word underrated at Bolton always says Simon Charlton. Yeah. yeah. Um, left wing Matt Taylor, um, who uh, John says yeah. uh, never gets any credit for the number of goals he scored. He did score a lot. He was joint top scorer one season, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, he loved a, a free kick, didn't he, Matty Taylor? I said, yeah. Go on. I, I, I think. I think maybe in that team he was one of the the bigger names, but I think as in Bolton history, yeah, I think he's uh, his name should be shouted out a bit more. Left foot like a traction engine. Uh, <laughs> Centre mid John Sheridan. He says they're perfect mix of artistry and brawn. Yeah, um, yeah, because we we did in our uh, battle lineups the other week. John Sheridan, because I only think of him in the last season of Burnham Park, but he actually mm. stuck around and played the first season at the Reba. Yeah, no, he was a, he was a quality player. I mean, he was into, well into his thirties, but he he was another one that started at uh, Forest and Leeds, wasn't he? Um, the other centre mid, Roy Greaves, who uh, he says could have played anywhere in this team of Bolton legend, and right wing Scott Green, who was another one that could play absolutely anywhere. Mm. Um, centre forwards. Uh, one was probably slightly before your time, David Reeves, who uh, yeah. he says uh, Philly got the headlines, i.e. Tony Phillips Kirk, but Reeves did the running, um, and he said he put him in a, ahead of Neil Watmore, who did the same job for Frank Worthington, of course. Um, and then one that you probably will remember, Mixu Batalainen. Ah, oh, Mixu, Bolton Coroner's Office. <laughs> well, as, as John says, he's overshadowed by McGinley, Coyle and probably Walker in his day, but a quality player in his own right. He's one of them. I don't I don't really know a lot about Mixu Patalina. I obviously remember him roughly of the time and as a Bolton player, but because he's one of them, he's never really come back into the fold or, you know, doesn't do interviews. Or I've never done an interview with Mixu Patalina. I kind of... I don't really feel like I know him very well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think for me, the, my first full season watching Bolton was the last one at Burnden, and I think he was injured for most of it. He scored mm. he scored at home against Sheffield United and then the goal away at City. Mm. Um, but other than that, I don't think he, he did much else in between. So, yeah, I know of him. I knew of him at the time, but I didn't really see him myself either. No. Good 11, though. Keep them coming. Yeah. I, I do like uh, I do like reading through those ones. Second one, second email, our last email. It's only a short one, but uh, it's from Chris in Bolton. Dear Mark and Henry, good to hear you're carrying the podcast through the summer. Um, mm. We did we did say that last week. I'm kind of regretting that now, but uh, no, man, <laughs> we've, we've said it, so we'll do it. Um, we can ex- uh, Sorry, where can we expect you to be recording from in the summer on pre-season tour? Do I hear the waves crashing in the background? Or maybe the bells of a German cathedral, he says. 
Oh uh, well, uh, you know, as, as we pointed out before, we we I do this for free. So if you do want to reward me uh, for my work on the book, then yeah, if it's a, a nice location we're going to, feel free to take me with you. But um, Bolton have loved the. Premier League days was sort of Scandinavia on it, but um, I think now it's more Scotland, maybe Wales. I'll I'll Loughborough University again. Oh, as long as you don't have to go back to Loughborough University. I mean, it's a lovely, it's a lovely campus, but goodness me, it was boiling there. There was nowhere to hide. It was so hot. <laughs> Poor Dennis as well on that day. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I don't know. I've not heard anything about preseason yet. It doesn't feel. Right, I should have asked last night. I'm sure I could have found something out. But there, there was. They were trying to sort out a game in Germany. That remember that Magdeburg or whatever they were called that came with the away fans and played the reserves in an afternoon. Yeah, and then had flares and stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were trying to organise a re- return game, and and Simon Marlon, who obviously is now retiring, he was kind of like central to that because I think he fancied going over there. Um, but hmm. it's normally down to it's normally down to Simon. Um, so whether or not that changes, uh, whether he's already done it or not, I don't know. Get your pull your finger out, Simon. Let me know what's going on. Um, would I don't think I want a waves crashing one. I mean, if you know, it, it'd be difficult to record at the beach the, the, the Wi-Fi would be crap normally um, yeah true um, when was the the last wave was that when you went to Newport the last where it was near the, <laughs> the seaside and that was the best the best one the best waves one was uh, was Athens but that was about Oof. 15 years ago that was gorgeous yeah that was absolutely it sounds, I, I don't think Ken Anderson was paying for a chip no, to happen. no that was a Phil Gart side one that was the first pre-season tour I went on with Phil Gartside, in fact, um, and they were in a hotel that was unbelievable uh, at the top of one hill, and then you had to walk down the hill and then up the next hill, and that was my hotel that was considerably less unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but it was still on the Athens Riviera, so it wasn't terrible, I might add. I have stayed in much worse. Um, but uh, that was a very expensive trip. I don't think I'd, I don't think Bolton nowadays would be uh, would be bothered for that one. Um, you know, I would be happy to do uh, Ireland. That'd be nice. Go over to Ireland. Yeah. See what Doyle can sort out. Yeah, yeah, we could. Uh, yeah, well, it'd be mid, uh, middle of their season, won't it? So yeah. that'd be good, good uh, competitive match. Yeah, right. There we go. You heard it here first, boys and girls. Uh, we're campaigning for an Irish pre-season. Um, hmm. Okay, you don't like them, but we don't care. We're having battle lineups. <laughs> Lineups. Battle lineups. <laughs> uh, battle lineups. Um, uh, right, I've told Henry he can pick a team from 1990 onwards. I'm going to pick one from 2010 to modern day. Um, so that uh, we've both got well a chance of not crossing uh, like kind of the players. But um, if you don't know the rules then we each take it in turns to guess a player from the team we've picked for each other. Um, and it's the first to seven correct answers. Subs do not count. Okay, Henry, which team have you got for me today? Uh, we're going back to the 31st of May, 1999, Bolton v Watford at Wembley. Oh, right. <laughs> um, Okay, and you're going to the, oh, what was the date? Um, sorry, the 8th of April, 2014. Um, Bolton beating Doncaster 2-1 in the championship. So ah, that was on a, 
I remember that. I was in Amsterdam, actually, when that game was played. And I was must have been the only person in Amsterdam checking his phone for the goal updates of Doncaster v Bolton. <laughs> right. OK. So let's... Um, who's going to go first? Uh, go on, you can go first. Right. So 1999. Let's start with... Let's start with... This is Colin Todd... 1999. Actually, it's not Colin Todd. It's um, it's. No, it's Colin Todd. It is Colin Todd. Why? Have, oh no, mm. yeah, because Sam was like, oh my god. Right. Okay, I'm gonna go Pear Franson. Let's start with Pear. Pear did play. That's good. That's good. Okay, you can have a go now. Oh, this is a this is a tough one. This is a tough era to try and remember. Um, really, I'm gonna go Joe Mason. Joe Mason scored, and that is correct. Right. Okay, come on. Um, uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but that, that playoff final always screams Neil Cox to me. I don't know why. Yes, Neil Cox did play. Okay. Your turn. Um, hmm. Doncaster Rovers, Ooh. 2014. So we're talking Dougie. We're talking... Yeah. Uh, 2004 so I'm trying to think of a, a certain podcast that I watched this week would that player have been playing or would he have been on loan at Preston at that time <laughs> um, I'm going to say no, I'm going to say he didn't play I'm going to go with oh, 2014 who would have right come on trying to think Weeter. Did Weeter play? Weeter played. You got Weeter. Yeah. Well done. Um, I'm going to say Mark Fish. Because I'm pretty sure he left this following season. Yes, Mark Fish did play. Yeah. Some of the players in this team. Can only, uh, <laughs> it was a, this was a good team. Um, right, okay. Doncaster away. He would have been in goal, maybe, that era. Um, hmm. Was that a Lonergan game? He was on the bench. It's oh. a fail. It's 3-2 to me. Just to make it 4-2, Bob Taylor, the man who blocked me. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bob Taylor did play. Right. I'm starting to get into this zone. I can see the pictures because the, the, they're on, they're on uh, PA images and it's one of the ones where I, I never want to use them, but they're all free, so I always look through them. Um, yeah. So I'm starting to get a, a, a mind's eye now. So that's 4-2. Um, Neil Dans. He's there, Neil Dans, 4-3. I'm going to say Goodney. Goodney, Goodney. Bergson was on the bench. Oh, sod. Right. Um... I mean, it tells you how good this team was, the fact that Bergson was on the bench. Yeah. Um, Who's playing right hmm. now? Who would have... Right, so we've got Mason, Wheater, Dans. Uh, I'm going to go with... Oh, was he? I don't... He might not have been the full season now. Kevin McNaughton? Nope. Kevin McNaughton oh. was not in that team. 
Was he on the bench? No, he wasn't even on the bench. Mm, I think he might have been the, the first half of the season. He missed, uh, yeah. he missed a chance to catch up there, I'm afraid. Um, this to make it 4-2. Um, we're still a heavily Scandinavian team, aren't we? So I'm going to go with... Is it too late for Johansson? Is it... Han- I'm going to go with Johansson. Johansson did play, yes. yes. Right. Uh, right, so you're on five. I'm on three. Um, oh, who would have been... Who would have been playing? Um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Bogdan in goal. Bogdan was in goal. That's 5-4. Yes. I'm going to keep with the Scandinavians then and just go with uh, Klaus Jensen. Yes, Jensen did play. Yeah, Klaus Jensen. Uh, right, you need one more. I've got a... Oh, God. Uh, right, who would have played? I'm going to go with Chungi. Chungi did play. Yeah. Chungi did play. Who's in goal? Who's in goal? I just... I think it might have been a guy that was there last night who I've not seen in God knows how long. Steve Banks. It was Steve. This yes. is the one where I thought, I hope he says, uh, Yussi. No, Steve Banks. No, he was injured. Yeah, Yussi was injured for the Preston game as well, wasn't he? Didn't, he was. didn't play a playoff final for us. But uh, yes, well done. Um, you've, you've won. I so. feel like you gave me quite an easy team there. To be honest, I'd, yeah. Well, well, thinking about it now, especially because you give me Doncaster away on a Tuesday night in yeah. 2014. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the rest of the team. So you got Banks, you got Neil Cox. Uh, so he was the right back, was Neil Cox. Um, Robbie Elliott, oh, played, yeah. uh, Per Franson, Andy Todd, oh. uh, Mark Fish, Michael Johansson, Klaus Jensen, uh, Ida Good Johnson. Imagine he missed an absolute sitter in that game, of what I remember. Uh, Bob Taylor and then Ricardo Gardner. Oh crikey! Uh, um, this was the this game was uh, my first trip to Wembley supporting Bolton, and in tears at the final whistle, my dad turned to me and went, "Don't worry, Henry, there'll be plenty more of these." <laughs> <laughs> and he was right; he was. It's a game I just know because we almost obliterated it from history. I barely, uh, mm. I've I've looked at the pictures. Lots of times, as I explained there, because they're they're free on the, one of the the agencies we use. Um, but I just don't know anything about the game itself. I don't think I've ever watched the game all the way through. If I'm being brutally honest, but there we go. Yeah, well, they they got a real they got an over a kick, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah. Right, I think it was who scored that. Um, your Bryant. team, the the Tuesday night in Doncaster, by the way, in 2014, Bogdan in goal. You got Alan Hutton. Um, at right Ooh. back, uh, Zat Knight at uh, centre half with David Weitzer, you got and Tim Ream, I assume, playing left back back right. at that time. So, um, midfield, a static three of Neil Dans, uh, Mido Kamara, and Jay Spearing. Ah, <laughs> oh, um, Spearing. And then Chunga, you got Mason, you got Lukas Djokovic, the other. Ah, of course. Yeah, of course. So it's... it must have been the season that Craig Davis was in Preston. Yeah, I think Craig Davis was not on the bench anyway. Um, and he was probably not happy and swearing about it as well. <laughs> um, right, OK, well, that's 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 one quiz for this week. Um, we will we'll, we'll review this. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a little think about it over the summer and see whether or not uh, 
these continue or not. But one thing I would like to continue is a little bit of culture that we bring on the show. Um, and uh, the poets have produced the goods once again. And, uh, and Henry gets to listen to it this week because uh, we're not that pressed for time. Um, this week's submission from the great bard of Breitnut is entitled Greta Steinson. So I shall read Greta Steinson for you now. I begin. Born in Iceland, in a fjord, young Steinson was never bored. For in his town, known for its herring, he learned to play football and wearing young boy's kit, he stayed in a garage. Miss Iceland's hand he took in marriage. He came to Bolton, scored against Stoke, made Gareth Bale look like a joke. But in came Coyle with table tennis, Tunchai, Sordell, all like menace. And in the end he went to Turkey, but we miss Greta's rather quirky Icelandic ways, which then were gone, and now they're back with Big Man John. The end. <laughs> Uh, that was very good. I, I enjoyed that. Greta Steinson. He was a he was a good player, wasn't he? He's um, a great player. Great player. Yeah, we, we've done very well with Scandinavians. Very well with Icelanders. Iceland. I think Bod Varsen's got it in him to uh, to be a, a a really top player for Bolton. Um, mm. I really do. I hope he gets over that back injury. So let's let's see it out by by talking about what's going to be this this Easter weekend then, because we've got. Sheffield, I've not got Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday's happened, Mark. That's already happened. Put it in the past. It's done. It's dusted. You're going to Doncaster, whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> we're going to Doncaster. Um, we're going to turn up at Doncaster, promise. Um, and then we've got Accrington Stanley at home on Easter Monday. Uh, is this a, a six-point weekend for you? Can you see it being a six-point weekend? Yeah, I can do. I think uh, Doncaster away, I can see it being a nice sunny day and we get a 3-0 win. Comfortable, uh, a full away end yet again and uh, I'll be there, so I'm hoping that anyway. Uh, when in reality, it's possibly going to be a, a lose 1-0 <laughs> to a team that, as I look at the table now, I've got a minus 46 goal difference. But um, you know, I think when Doncaster came to play us, they were one of the worst teams I've seen this year. I don't think they've improved that much. They may have a bit more fight about them to try and stay up. But, you know, let's face it, five points. Well, I guess if they win, they've, they've put themselves in a good position. But, um, yeah, I think we'll win this. I think it'll be a comfortable one. And then Accrington at home, I think, uh, you know what would be nice about Accrington? Because they've lowered the ticket prices, so we should get a, a good mm, gate. Mm. We've done that before and we've... we've let it you know we've let ourselves down so hopefully we can get a, a good performance there too because um you yeah, know i mean accrington are i guess playing for that last place in the top half aren't they uh the 12th so yeah um, they're, they're the ones that they're, they're perennial you know overachievers as far as budget's concerned i kind of almost discount them i almost expect them to be top of that little you know kind of lower bracket in in league one i don't ever see them going above that necessarily but um, it'll be interesting because Dion Charles. I mean, if, he, if he's going to score against anybody, surely it's going to be Aki on Monday. Well, yeah, that's if he plays. Because for some reason this year, players when they play, I think Sarsavik Dempsey was another one. When they're playing against the farmer clubs, they suddenly get an illness. <laughs> I've noticed. That would be a bit harsh. Um, we, we don't do conspiracy theories, uh, but if we did, Henry would do them brilliantly. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm not quite as optimistic as you. Accrington have been a bogey team for starters for Bolton. I, I don't think I've ever seen them play particularly well against Accrington. In fact, have they ever won in this no. incarnation of Accrington? I don't think so. Are they one of the sides that we haven't beat? Because there's famously, and, and what was annoying, did you notice Port Vale did it 
a few weeks ago where they've beaten everyone in the 92. Oh, right. And I think we're four teams off. And I was like, I was gutted. Oh, wait, that could have been us. We could have been the first ones. Yeah, I mean, the Sutton would still bugger it up for us, wouldn't they, really? But yeah, uh, yeah I, I think the problem with Accrington is because they actually rebooted the club... Every time I say they've never beaten Accrington, somebody chips up and said, yeah, but actually this version of Accrington started in 1914 and yada, 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 yada. So, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm staying out of that. I'm staying out of that completely. <laughs> um, yes, they still haven't beaten them since they lost 7-0 at, uh, at the, the Crown Ground or whatever on earth it's called. Mm. Um, yeah, they still, they still owe them one for that. I would like them to go and beat Doncaster. Uh, I think they're there for the taking. I know they beat Crew last weekend, but really they've had a wretched season and they will have to come and try and beat Bolton. So really it's made for Bolton to go there, pick them off and, and score a few goals. I hope the injury issues don't uh, make that too much of a problem for them. And then Accrington, as you say, you know, there should be a good gate Easter Monday. Tickets 10 quid and 5 quid. Get down there, enjoy the weather, hopefully. Um, work off some of those Easter egg, uh, that Easter egg energy, and uh, and hopefully, um, yeah, it's uh, hopefully they can they can see it through because it'd be nice to go into the Mark Isles Derby at Charlton, at uh, Charlton, Cheltenham. <laughs> oh God, you know, what? it's getting to the end of the season where where team names, player names, they're completely just replaceable now. It could be Darius Charles, it could be Dion Charles, it could be <laughs> it could be Dion Warwick, it could be anybody. Um, I just I'm just gonna say names now, but uh, yes, I need I need a, a summer break is what I need. Yeah, uh, don't we all? But uh, as you said, with the buff, we're plodding along. We, we're going through the summer. Yeah, we might not get the names right. We might not get the stats right. But Bayek will plod on. We'll plod on whilst other podcasts uh, take a six-month hiatus. Um, but anyway, um, until uh, yet another, I think it's episode 120, actually, next week. So that's a bit of a milestone. Um, until that does occur... I have been in need of a break, Mark Isles. And I have been bright-eyed and bushy-tailed Henry Hewitt. And this has been the 50% of viewers enjoy the buff. <laughs> <laughs>